Throughout history, stories have captured our attention. There are stories that spark laughter, stories that bring us to tears, stories that inspire us, and some that lead to fear. But the best stories, the stories that change us, are the ones that teach truth, eternal truth. copy of God's Word, I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, you don't have a copy of the Bible, don't worry about it. We've got the words on the screen or you can just follow along with me. Today we're starting a new series looking at the stories of Jesus and so I want to begin by reading to you probably what is the very first story that Jesus told. It's found in Matthew chapter 13 beginning in verse 1. This is what it says. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told them many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered them across his field, some seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted, anyone who with ears to hear should listen and understand. I've always enjoyed stories. Since I was a little boy, I enjoyed reading stories. When I was young, my mom bought me C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. There were seven books in that set. And, and when she bought them for me, I began to read them and didn't stop until I read each and every one of them. And then as I grew up, I was living in Union, South Carolina at the time, and I, I went by the bookstore on my way home, and, and I picked up a book by Frank Peretti, This Present Darkness. And I started, I shouldn't say this, but I started reading the book while I was on my way home driving. Now don't do that. That's not a wise thing to do. But I started doing that. And so I read it on my way home. I continued to read it when I got home. And I read it throughout the night. And I didn't stop until I finished reading that book. And from that point on, every time Frank Peretti came out with another book, I read his books. And then Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins began to write that Left Behind series. And as they would write a new book, I would read the book. I believe that I read every single one of them. I'm not sure because they may still be writing. I don't think Jesus has come back yet in, in their books. But, but I read every single one of them because I love stories. You, you throw in Tom Clancy and John Grisham and others like that, and 
Man, I just love a good story. Technical books, science books, legal books. Man, those things, they put me to sleep. But a good story, a story grabs my attention. A story inspires me, encourages me, and teaches me great truths. And maybe, just maybe, that's why Jesus told so many stories. Now, there have been great storytellers throughout history, but I don't think there are any better than Jesus. Jesus told stories to people as they sat on the hillside. He told stories to people as they were sitting by the seashore. He's told stories to people as they were standing beside the road. Everywhere he went, he told people stories. And sometimes his stories made people laugh. There were other times that he told stories and, and they made people mad. But every time Jesus told a story, a person had to think. They would think about what Jesus said. 35% of the recorded teachings that we have of Jesus are in the form of stories or parables. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels, there are 40 recorded stories. Now that word parable, it literally means to, to place alongside of. It means to use one thing to teach another thing. And so Jesus would, would tell this story and he would use that story to teach a truth. And so this is the definition of a parable. You can write this down. A parable is a practical story that illustrates spiritual truth. That's what a parable is. Now as we study the parables for the next six weeks, I want to give you a little hint. As you read the parables, don't try to find some truth in every little detail. Because that's not how people used parables or stories. Typically in the parables, there was one truth that was trying to be conveyed. And so as you hear people say that in this parable, this represents this, and this represents this, and this represents this, and this represents this, most often they're wrong. Because the parables were used to convey one specific truth. And so as we read parables, understand that. Now for us today, as we read some of these parables, we've got to be honest and, and admit that some of them are strange, aren't they? I mean, we're trying to figure them out, but, but we need to understand that we're reading these stories 2,000 years after they were told. When Jesus told these stories, the people that heard the illustrations, the people that were hearing these pictures being painted, they understood them because Jesus was using illustrations. He was painting pictures that the people could understand. For instance, they lived in an agricultural community, and so the people would understand farmers. They would understand the whole concept of tenant farmers and, and tenants who own the land. They would understand the concept of a judge and an unjust judge. And they would understand wedding feasts and people come together and being invited to these things. And so understand, Jesus told stories that the people were able to understand. Now this story, this parable, was most likely Jesus' very first story that he told. 
It's the first parable in each of the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And most people say it's the very first one Jesus told. And the reason is because this story not only illustrates a spiritual truth, as Jesus told this story, he told us why he told stories. Now some of you may wonder that. Because sometimes we read the parables and we think, what in the world is Jesus trying to say? Why didn't he just say it clearly so that everybody can understand? Well, Jesus had a purpose in using parables. He had a purpose in sharing stories. So I want you to listen to what Jesus said. So here's Jesus. He tells this parable. The crowd dissipates. They leave. And, and now Jesus is with his disciples along. And this is what happens. Verse 10. His disciples came and asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but, but others are not. To those who listen to my teachings, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look and they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. And so here's Jesus, he tells this story, and, and the crowd leaves, and the disciples come to Jesus, and they say two things. We know this because Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter 4, records this. First of all, they say, Jesus... Explain the parable to us. We don't have a clue what you're saying. But then they also ask, Jesus, why do you use parables? Why do you speak in parables? I mean, it's obvious that as Jesus shared these stories, there were people who were confused. They left wondering, what is Jesus really trying to say? People were confused. And to be honest with you, when we read Jesus' reason for telling stories, we get confused. And some people even get troubled as they read what Jesus said. But my prayer is that as we unpack this, you will have a better understanding of what Jesus is saying and why he used parables. Now, there are two reasons Jesus spoke in parables or stories. The first one is to reveal truth to those who are seeking Jesus told stories so that those who were seeking truth could find truth. Notice what Jesus says. He says, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom. Now this doesn't mean that we Christians have some secret handshake that we learn once we get saved. Or we have some secret ritual that we have to go through to be initiated into the club. It doesn't mean that we have some secret language that we use here. That's not what this means. The word secret or mystery simply refers to an Old Testament truth 
that is now being revealed in Jesus. You see, the Old Testament prophets would speak this truth about a coming day, a coming age. And they didn't even understand what it was saying. And when you would read the Old Testament and you would try to understand it before Jesus came, you would get confused and, and think, who is he speaking of? Who is he talking about? What is this about? When is this going to happen? But Jesus said to his disciples, you're permitted to know these secrets. You are going to be able to experience these truths being unpacked. Now we know that based upon verse 17. If your Bible is open, Jesus said this. He said, many prophets and, and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. In other words, Jesus is saying the Old Testament saints, the Old Testament righteous people, they knew that God had made promises and they knew that God would fulfill these promises, but, but they didn't know how. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what God was going to do. But the disciples and those who believed saw it with their own eyes. They heard it with their own ears. What the Old Testament prophets had hoped for, the disciples and those who believed were now able to experience. But then Jesus says something else. He said, to those who listen, I will give more understanding. Now this isn't talking about audibly listening. Because I think we all know that, that you can hear something and not really hear it. You tracking with me? I mean, have you ever been in a conversation with someone and, and you think that, that what you're saying is as plain and as simple as can be? That, I mean, even a caveman could understand it? But you say it. And then the person looks at you and they say something totally different. And you're going, where in the world did they get that? Weren't they listening to what I just said? And so Jesus is saying to those who are listening, not just with their ears, but those who are listening with their heart, I'm going to give more understanding. But those who simply hear with their ears but their hearts are not engaged, I'm going to take what they have heard away from them and give it to someone else. Now here's what you need to understand. God's desire has always been to reveal himself to all who were seeking him. But the truth of the matter is not everyone is seeking him. Have you ever wondered why two people can come to the same service? They can hear the same music. They can hear the same message. They can experience the same atmosphere. But one person comes under conviction. They give their heart and life to Jesus and they are radically changed. The other person leaves the building, never comes back, and is never changed, never begins to live for Jesus. Now why does that happen? Well, one reason is one is seeking the truth and the other isn't. And so Jesus reveals truth to those who are seeking. And so I would ask you this morning, are you seeking truth? But there's another reason that Jesus taught parables and told stories, and that is to conceal truth from those who are refusing. Now this is where we have a problem. I mean, why would Jesus conceal truth from anyone? Well, you need to understand, Jesus is concealing truth 
from those who refused to hear the truth. You see, there were a group of people in Jesus' day who simply refused to hear what Jesus was saying. Jesus had been teaching now for over a year, maybe even two years at this point. He had taught truth after truth after truth. He had healed the sick. He had raised the dead. He had fed the multitude with a few loaves and few pieces of fish. And, and, and yet, in spite of everything he did, everything he said, there were people who simply refused to hear what he was saying. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 41, Jesus said this to a group of people. He said, you refuse to repent. Did he say that you can't repent? No, he said you won't repent. You refuse to repent. In the very next verse, in verse 42, Jesus said that you refuse to listen. And so there were these people who refused to repent of their sin. There were these people who refused to listen to the message of Jesus. And then in Matthew 13, verse 57, Jesus says this. He says, they were deeply offended and refused to believe. Did you get that? It's not that they couldn't believe. It's that they wouldn't believe. They refused to believe. Later on in Matthew, Jesus tells a story. And he's telling a story about, about this um, feast that's going to take place. And he says as he tells that story, the people who were invited refused. And he said, and they refused to come. They were invited to this feast. They were invited to the wedding. And yet, even though they were invited, they refused to come. I want you to listen. When it comes to God's grace and his desire to save, it's never a matter of God wanting to save. It's always a matter of people refusing to repent and be saved. God wants to save anyone and everyone. But if we refuse His grace, if we refuse His love, if we refuse the mercy and forgiveness that He offers, then our hearts have become more hardened. That's when Jesus said they look, but they don't see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. Jesus was quoting Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah was in the temple. He's worshiping God, and he encounters God. And as he encounters God, he immediately comes under conviction. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Woe is me. I have entered the presence of God. The Bible says that God comes and God touches his tongue and God forgives him. And then God says this, who will go? Who will share the message that needs to be shared? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And that's when we read these words. God says to Isaiah, you will go, but you're going to people who will hear, but they can't really hear. They will see because they can't really see. They're a rebellious people. You see, it's not that God didn't want to save his people. It's not that God didn't want his people to turn from their sin, but they'd become so rebellious, they'd become so hardened that their hearts would simply not listen to God. And here's what we need to understand. Our sin 
makes our heart more opposed to God and His Word. I mean, how is it? How is it that the gospel can, can be accepted so excitedly by some and rejected so angrily by others? How is it that, that the cross makes some of us rejoice but others see it as absolute foolishness? How is it? It's because our hearts have become hardened to the things of God. It's been said that the same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. The difference in effect does not come from the difference in exposure. It's the same sun. The difference in effect comes from the difference in the material it shines on. When the sun shines on wax, it melts it. When the sun shines on clay, it hardens it. And when God's word comes into some hearts, that heart is softened and responds. When that word comes on other hearts, that heart becomes more hardened. Now why is it? Why is it that some people's hearts become hardened to the things of God? Well, the Bible gives us multiple reasons. We don't have time to unpack all of them, but let me give you three that I think are vitally important. First of all, an unwillingness to do God's will. When we are unwilling to do God's will, our heart will become hardened. Jesus said this in John 7, verse 17. He said, anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God. In other words, what, what Jesus is saying is if you want to know whether my teaching is from God, you've got to be willing to do what God says to do. Here's what many of us do. We say, God, show me your will and then I will determine whether I'm going to do it or not. Bless you. And God says, that's not the way that I act. I don't show you my will and then you determine whether to do it or not. No, I show my will to those who are willing to do it regardless of where it leads. Did you hear me? There are some of you today, you sit back and you say, man, I have such a hard time discerning God's will. Well, can I tell you why? According to Jesus, the reason you have a hard time discerning God's will and hearing from God is because you're waiting to see whether it's palatable or not. You're waiting to see whether it's something you want to do or not. Something that's going to benefit you or not. God said, I'm not going to waste my time giving you my will until you are willing to respond regardless. And so when we're unwilling to respond to God's will, what happens is over time, our heart becomes hardened. Second, when we search for God with a half-hearted heart, our heart will become hardened. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says this, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. If you look for me wholeheartedly. I mean, some of you here this morning, I don't know your heart, but some of you may be here going, okay, I'm ready to see whether this God thing's real or not. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you're seeking Him half-heartedly, you're probably not going to find Him. But if you seek for Him with all your heart, nothing in hell or in heaven will keep you from hearing God. God will reveal Himself to you. And by the way, listen. Listen. If the God of all creation 
came down to earth, was tortured on a cross to pay for your sins, doesn't that warrant you seeking after that with all your heart? I mean, isn't that something important enough to seek after to, uh, with all your mind until you find out whether it's true or not? Half-hearted search. And, and then finally, when we love the darkness more than the light, our heart will become hardened. Jesus said, many love the darkness more than the light because their deeds are evil. We love the things of this world more than the things of God. We love sin more than righteousness. And when we do that, our hearts will become hardened. So Jesus is saying here, I tell stories because as I tell these stories, those who are seeking truth will find truth. I will reveal truth to those who are seeking. But I also tell stories because it conceals truth from those who aren't really seeking, those who have refused me. So what about this story? What does this story teach? Well, first of all, you, you need to remember there are two things that don't change in the story. The farmer is the same throughout the story, right? It's not a different farmer that is sowing seed. The same farmer is sowing the seed, and the farmer is Jesus. Jesus is the one that's sowing the seed. The seed, we're told in Mark's gospel, the seed is the Word of God. And so Jesus is sowing the Word of God. The farmer and the seed, it never changes. But the one thing that changes in this story is what? The soil. The soil upon which the seed falls. And so Jesus is with his disciples and he gives them the, um, the explanation to the story. Beginning in verse 18, listen to what he says. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes, snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth so that no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. So Jesus tells us there are four hearts that hear the word of God. The first heart is the hardened heart. He says, as the farmer was scattering seeds, some fell on hard ground. You need to understand in Palestine, they would typically walk through fields, and they would usually take the same path through the field every time. And So as the people would walk through the field, the grass would get beaten down and the ground would get hardened. And so when you would scatter seed on that hard ground, it would just sit on top of the ground. It would never go into the soil. And the birds would come and they would take the seed away so that it was never planted. And Jesus said, this is the hardened heart. This is the person who isn't receptive to the truth of God. Or the person who is belligerent against the truth of God. The person that has no interest in the truth of God. And let me tell you, that's a dangerous place to be. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 7 the author of Hebrews says, today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. 
It's a dangerous thing to harden your heart. And, and I don't know where you are this morning, but if you're here and your heart is hardened to the things of God and the Word of God, the Gospel, then I beg you, I beg you to stop hardening your heart because the longer you harden it, the more packed down it's going to get. And there's going to come a point in your life where the Word of God will not even break through even anymore. And that's a dangerous place to be. If you're here this morning and you've been hardening your heart to God and to the gospel and to the things of God, then I beg you in Jesus' name to turn from your sin this morning, to give your life to Jesus and let him give you a soft heart, hardened heart. Next is the shallow heart. The seed fell on rocky soil. In, in Israel, most of Israel is covered with bedrock and limestone. And, and then you have a, a, a very little bit of soil on top of that rock and that limestone. And so you would have rock, you'd have limestone, and maybe just a little bit of soil here. And, and, and Jesus is saying that, that this seed represents the seed that falls on that hard ground, that shallow ground. There's enough soil there that the seed gets in it, and it sprouts up. But because there's rocks right under the surface, the roots don't go down deep. And so when the sun begins to beat against the plant, what happens is it withers and it dies. And Jesus said that this seed and this soil represents those who receive the word with joy. Did you get that? They receive it with joy. I mean, they hear the word of God. They hear the message about Jesus and they respond with joy. It's an emotional response, and man, they're crying, snot's coming out their nose, and I mean, it's just, you know, this is so wonderful, I love Jesus, he's telling my word, everything is great, and they're so happy, and you see them back the next week, maybe the next week, and, and then they're gone. You're wondering, what happened? Did, did the rapture occur and we missed it? I mean, they just got saved, certainly. They've gone. Maybe, maybe we got left behind. And that's the person Jesus is talking about here. They, they've made this emotional decision. But there are no roots. And so when the problems of life, the persecutions of life come, they, they die. They don't survive. It's kind of like when, when we bring an evangelist in, and we believe in this at our church. For you who are part of Northside, you know this. But an evangelist comes in that's gifted at making an appeal, and they preach the Word of God. Then, man, they've got some stories that they can tell that just, man, they just rip our heart apart. And when those emotional stories rip our heart apart and they call us forward, we come forward and Man, we're crying and we're ready to sell everything and, and go to Timbuktu as missionaries, right? But then after a week or two or a couple of months, the thrill is gone and 
Everything's back to normal. It was no more than just a feeling, an emotion tugging at her heart. And this is the person Jesus is talking about here, the one who makes a shallow emotional decision. I mean, emotionally, they were engaged. But obviously it wasn't real because it didn't change them over time. George Whitfield was an evangelist in the 17th century, one of the most effective evangelists in the 17th century. And one day he preached and a lot of people came forward and, and after the, the services, someone came to Whitfield and said, um, Mr. Whitfield, how many people were saved today? He said, we'll know in a couple of years. And that's true, isn't it? Let me remind you what Jesus said. Jesus said, and he said this more than once. He said, those who endure to the what? End. Those who endure to the end will be saved. It's not those who make an emotional decision at youth camp. It's not those who walk down an aisle during an evangelistic service. It's those who endure to the end who are really saved. The hard heart, the shallow heart. And then he tells us about the divided heart, the seed that falls among thorns, and eventually it's choked out. Now, the thorns don't choke out the seed immediately because what happens is the seed, um, it plants, its roots go down, the, the plant comes up, and, and as the plant begins to grow among the thorns, what happens? It's at that point, as it grows and it begins to develop, that it begins to get choked out, Right? And Jesus said that this one that is choked out, that is crowded out, is crowded out by the cares of the world and the allure of wealth. The things of this world have choked out the seed, the word of God in, in their life. That's, that's what he's saying here. And some of you here this morning, you're like that. I mean, you've made a decision for Christ, but if you're honest, Jesus isn't first in your life. I mean, your kids are playing football. Your kids are in soccer. Your kids are playing basketball. Your kids have dance recitals. I mean, goodness gracious, they're so busy. You don't know whether you're going left or right. You're coming or going. And after all, you've got bills to pay. and You've got deadlines to make. And so if you can get to church, if you can read your Bible, if you can do whatever, that's good, but if not, that's okay because God understands you've got more important things to do. The Word of God, the Gospel, has been crowded out by the things of the world. Choked out. Stranglehold. So he says there are some that are, have hard hearts. I mean, they just have no desire for the things of God. Then there are some that have shallow hearts. Man, they make a decision and it seems real, but it's emotional and that's all it is. There are some who have divided hearts. They say they love Jesus, but the truth is they love the things of the world more than they love Jesus. But then he tells us there are those who have open hearts. The fertile soil is ready for the seed to be planted and it always, listen, it always produces a crop. Did you get that? The seed that falls on fertile soil always produces a crop. Now, the crops may change, some 30, some 60, some 100, 
letting us know that the gospel doesn't produce the same fruit in everybody to the same degree. But the gospel always produces what? It always produces fruit. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. No fruit, no root, no salvation. I want you to hear me. This is important. This isn't me. Jesus said, Jesus said, you, 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 we, we need to go back and we, we need to read this again. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear. In other words, there are those that, that hear, but they don't care. There are those that hear and they make an emotional response. But there are those who hear, but their heart is divided. And then there are those who truly hear. And their life produces fruit. A crop. Some yield 30, some yield 60, some yield 100. But it produces fruit. What about you? I mean, this is important. This was the most important parable, I believe, because it speaks to everyone. The truth of the matter is, every one of us in this room fit into one of those four soils. Without a doubt, there is at least a couple in here today who have hard hearts. You're here and you care nothing about the things of God. You're here because your mom and dad made you come. You're here to satisfy a spouse. You're here for some other reason. I mean, singles sometimes come to church to find other singles. God forbid. Hope they get struck with leprosy. I'm trying to think whether I really mean that a lot. And I, I, and I do. I, I really do mean it. I was, you know, I was thinking, should I, should I have said that? Yeah, I should have. If somebody is coming to church to prowl on somebody else, they need to be struck. Amen? So there's some with hardened hearts. There's some with emotional hearts. They've made a decision, but it's just emotional. There's some with divided hearts. They, they like the things of God as long as it fits into their schedule their pattern, their desires, their wants. But then there are those who truly hear, have fertile hearts, ready to respond to the gospel. That's the only one that will make it to heaven. That's the thing. You see, we have people tell this story and they say, well, the hard hearts are lost. The emotional hearts, they just need to grow. The divided hearts, they need to get more committed. No, the first three hearts need to get right with God because only one heart is really saved. And that's the one that is bearing fruit. So where are you? This is a big deal. I want you to bow your head with me. I want you to close your eyes. With your head bowed, with your eyes closed, I, I, I just, I don't know where you are. But here's what I do know. I do know you're here for a reason today. And regardless of whether your heart right now is hard or shallow or divided or it is open, I don't, wherever it is, God has, has you here today for a reason and for a purpose. And so rejoice in that. If you're here and your heart has been hard, let me beg you today, respond to Jesus. He won't turn you away. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter 
where you've been. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen. If you respond to Jesus, asking his forgiveness, receiving his grace, he will receive you with open arms and he will change you. Some of you here today have made emotional decisions in the past, but you know it wasn't real. I mean, goodness, you're probably one of those people that you've been saved 50 times. And the reason is because it was every single time an emotional response and you were never truly giving Jesus your all. Do it today. Some of you here today have divided hearts. You care for the things of God, but no more than you care for the things of this world. And probably not as much. Jesus made it clear that you cannot serve two masters. And then some of us have hearts that were open and we've responded and Jesus has changed our life. And so if you're here and you're one of those first three, then I want to encourage you right here, right now, wherever you are, to open your heart and pray this prayer to God. Dear God, I come to you this morning humbly asking you to forgive me I know I'm a sinner. I've rebelled against you. Disobeyed you. Live life my way. So sorry. I don't want to live that way anymore. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose from the grave so I could be forgiven. Jesus, please save me. I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my heart. Come in and take control. Change me. Make me new. Do what only you can do. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen. Now,